All right. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. And we're back by popular demand. It's the Last Call podcast. We are joined from you live from the battlefield of Melbourne. Straight after an earthquake, it's Jamal. I'm joined by A. Hetherington. Earthquake boys! Earthquake, earthquake riot ISO boys. It's been a long week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the... Uh... Uh, it, as you and I've said together, and I, I noticed you, you named a, a podcast after it. It really is the season finale of Melbourne. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> and like that was before the earthquake happened this morning. Yeah. I was like, yeah, oh. yeah. late last night, I got picked up for another season. The writers were like, fuck, we used all our yeah. end game storylines. <laughs> now, fuck it, earthquake. <laughs> We've gone once in a century pandemic. We've gone riots in the streets. We've gone all this and that. And they're just like, oh, we've picked you up for another season. You're like, fucking hell. All right, earthquake. Yeah, we've picked you up for another season and we expect you to raise the stakes. Yeah. That's what I'm like. I'm currently binging Criminal Minds, which is just like fucking cookie cutter crime procedural. And it goes for like 15 seasons. And I'm just like, the first couple of seasons i'm like okay cool this is reasonable this is probably what happens because like you know america's fucked up like that we're just like yeah mass shooter in a mall i'm like cool whatever but then there's just like people who are you know drugging people going over international lines and like raising the stakes every time i'm like jesus (laughs) wait while you're ahead no you gotta get on billions it keeps getting better yeah I oh, think got him, got him, gone. Oh no, not not got him, not gone. I don't think we 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 are currently watching another edition of European Cricket Championship, a classic Wednesday evening watch along. <laughs> um, yeah, Victoria needs to quit while we're ahead. We are having an absolute shocking two weeks. The issue is we're not ahead. We're not not even just behind if this were if life were the fox footy pressure gauge we would be off the charts in the wrong direction <laughs> we'd be in the negative without a win we're Stephen bradbury when no one fell over in that alternate universe and we're in the alternate universe where we're Stephen bradbury and we fell over <laughs> <laughs> no this is the universe and this is funny because it reminded me of some pointless race i ran in year 12 school athletics and i was like coming fifth in like the 3k and i absolutely busted along finishing that last lap and then i finished the lap and then the guy called in the car's like nah mate you got one lap left i was like fuck (laughs) and i came dead last (laughs) the the old the old ninth lap charge eh? yeah (laughs) they were just like oh he's he's picking up he is going for home. He's confident with his last 600 metres. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, no, nah, you still got one more to go, mate. I was like, fucking hell. Fuck one you. More? Fuck you, Mr. Rosado. Yeah. And I like walked that shit. Like I was dead on my feet. So yeah, it's not every day we experience an earthquake. It genuinely was bizarre up this high. Cause I didn't know whether it was the earthquake or whether the building was about to break. Yeah, well, well, you're, what, 25 levels up. I'm only five levels up, and I was just like, is it really that fucking windy? 
I looked hmm. out, wind, no wind, trees dead still. <laughs> it's funny because I was just like hanging out in bed watching TV and like there's a bar behind me and all the bottles started to shake and my good scotch fell off and I jumped up and I caught it. I was like, not today. My baby. I was like, if that broke, I probably would have just like crawled under the bed and just like died like a really old cat. Yeah. No, the thing that really set it off for me was like, I've got these metal ball bearing chains to connect the blinds. Mm. And they all just started to go absolutely nuts against against the windows. I was like, what? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's fucking crazy. Because they were like, um, aftershocks as well it was like a sp- I, didn't, I didn't feel any of the aftershocks oh there was one and i was just like not again i was like in the shower i was like fucking hell <laughs> i think i think it was because so we got evacuated immediately after the earthquake and i just went well i'm not sticking around here for an hour while they wait for us to go back inside yeah so i just went for a walk and i, I feel like earthquakes are less severe if you're outside and walking yeah, yeah. nothing around you to shake and Especially if you're being active, like you're not standing still, feeling the earth shake. Especially if there's a build. It's like, it was what, a six? Like, it's yeah. not that, that so, yeah, between 5.8 and 6, I've seen. In the grand odd. scheme of things, it's not that big a deal. Six is pretty big. Yeah, but then. Like those, I, those massive New Zealand ones a few years ago were like seven. Yeah, that's true. Six but is I, big. Yeah. Well, because we had an earthquake a couple of years ago, I think, where it was like a four and a half to five. Was it? I thought it was like a two. It was minimal. And everyone was just like, oh, we survived. And I was just like, oh. yeah. No, this was the biggest one in Victoria ever. Yeah. And an apt time too. Yeah. No. yeah. God, God just saying, fuck your protests. Oh, and the protests? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'll say you can tell there's not much footy going on by the amount of just general victorian complaining that's going on yeah people clearly just aren't happy that the grand final parade's been taken away and they've decided to stay to their own i'm just like <laughs> like I've, I've said it before i'm just like yeah you don't get to work for two weeks i've worked like one week in the past five months and there are so many people out there who just like just don't have a job anymore you just like <laughs> eyes up cowboy yeah but, I mean, and I legitimately think that it's lots of it was people going, well, don't have to go to work. We're not allowed to see each other to hang out and drink because of lockdown. But if we go and do this and we, like, stay back a bit so we don't get in trouble with the cops and we can walk through, we won't get in trouble. We can drink cans, hang out. I feel like it, this is the time to just be like, hey, you want to have a sneaky Bev at my place? Yeah, but legitimately, legitimately you're more chance of getting in trouble for doing that and having your neighbour's dog on you. Than walking through the streets and being on the protest is so bizarre, and that's what the, the state has come to. Uh, the state of it, the state of affairs. Victoria's wild. And on that bombshell, should we move from politics to sport? <laughs> and on that bombshell, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's time then. It's time come, then. Back, come back for part two where we get to the football. Yeah, this is the last haul. This is pure Victorian politics. This is at, at this point, it feels like the last just everything in Melbourne. Yeah. The last hurrah. 
the last welcome to the last podcast welcome to the last anything yeah football um shall we start with the COVID case that you said might be in perth i was gonna start with the rugby but yeah i guess we can do because i had no idea what like when did that happen i think it was a um truck driver that had been to WA and then was back in New South Wales has tested positive. Right. Oh, it's amazing. So it's, it's quite low risk. The driver that was with him has tested negative. So it's quite possible he didn't have it when he was over there. And even more possible that he didn't spread it. But it does show the fragility of the basket that the AFL has put all their eggs in. Mm. With, with a notoriously quick to pounce Easter buddy controlling the <laughs> basket of eggs. <laughs> good, uh, good. And I, I believe that maybe the first time Mark McGowan has ever been described as a quick to pounce Easter Bunny. I I would imagine so. I can't imagine it's come up much. Um, right. Enough of the politics around football. How are we feeling about the grand final in general? Honestly, I think it'll just be a game of cat and mouse. Oh fucking! If I hear <laughs> cat and mouse again, so many times over the past thirty six hours, jeez. Yeah, no, it's um, no, but football. The more I think about it, the more I think that the Bulldogs are a red hot chance. Is is the bye week between the prelims and the grand final giving us way too much time, and the general AFL media landscape to just like really overanalyze the game? I feel like that's what's happening. It's like the week between um the conference finals and the Super Bowl. Everyone's just like, well, I think this might happen. Oh, but also this might happen. And then it just goes chalk. And you're like, well, we probably could have seen that coming. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I, I genuinely am really struggling to, to pick a side. I think Gorn is the key. Mm. Um, I think if he has a good game and he is in really, really good form, I think if he has a good game, then I think that is could be the kicker to like throw the D's midfield over the, the Bulldogs. But without, if they can nullify Gorn's influence, either through Steph Martin and Tim English or, as they did earlier in the season, by effectively roving to Max Gorn, mm. the Bulldogs midfield, then, yeah, I think they are an absolute red-hot crack. Yeah, because, uh, like, you look at the team, like the team's head-to-head, and we don't know the teams yet. We decided against... Um, <laughs> Friday boys, the, the Friday boys, because it was like, oh, there's more content if we get to debate the teams. But I feel like if there's um, any part of like the field where any team excels aggressively, it's the ruck stocks. Like you think Max yeah. Gorn is so much better, and just as a pure ruckman, even going forward, like Tim English is a good forward. But I'd argue Max Gorn is, in his current form, probably as yeah. good a forward and just like way better as a Ruckman than Martin and English put together. So it's going to be a task. Yeah. Well, I mean, st- statistically, he's on track to be the greatest Ruckman of all time. Well, statistic- he's, a fi- he's a five-time All-Australian and it's not infeasible to think that he will finish as an eight or nine-time All-Australian. Well, no, because you just think of the Ruck. Bucks at the moment, like who who have we got coming through? Nick Nat's probably on the way out. Gorn's only what twenty seven, so yeah, we've got I, him. 
I'd say I think that the next generation of probably Darcy Draper, um, Jackson, Melbourne's other ruckman is going to be. It's true, but not in terms of like accolades. You'd think until Gorn leaves, Jackson was dark as like that second ruckman. That could be true, but I mean, that could be something that could push Max Gorn's career out a little bit once he hits 30 if he's playing sort of more forward. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, and Jackson shoulders more of that load. Like, even if it gets to 50 50. Yeah. I think that really helps Elon get Max's career. Noodle. Mate, I'm telling you, Noodle's going to be all right. He's not going to be all Australian, but like, he's tall. Yeah, well, I mean, always a good trait for a ruckman, I guess. Yeah. It's criminally what's robbed Caleb Daniel of his chance in the ruck. Yeah. Um, Mate, yeah. He's on a, he's on a hat trick. A 10 for three, mate. These guys are absolutely flying. Iqbal is having an absolute monster of a game. I mean, it doesn't help he's just lofted it to square leg. <laughs> it's a very generous uh, hit from him. Um, but yeah, like you think of the Ruckman, uh, um, what do we say? Darcy, Draper, Gorn. Like they're probably the three Ruckman that get the. AA40 in the meantime. And then, like, I don't know. What's Oscar Allen up to nowadays? He's, he's kind really of. Decide. They threw him back for a while and then back forward. And, he's kind of a key uh, for. Like, Kennedy's getting old. So, like, you'd think he's going to. Yeah, Kennedy's got one more. Probably Darling's probably only got a couple more. Yeah, there's, there's not. Uh, is there not much in the way of Rockman? Lloyd Meek. Yeah, no. Oh, sorry, Lloyd. Um, sorry, Lloyd. I know you're a big Riley, fan. Riley O'Brien's a very good ruckman. Yeah, surprising. Old Rob. Surprising. I'm surprised um, that Riley O'Brien's a really good ruckman. <laughs> oh, sorry. We missed one real obvious one. Rowan Marshall's a star. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good job. Um, but yeah, I mean, as we found out, Manx's quite young still. Yeah, he feels about 35. He does. He's a journeyman in every sense of the word. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Tom Hickey got a lot of Brownlow folks. Like, <laughs> Ruckman were getting some love on the weekend. It, it was quite a Ruckman love fest, especially early. You know what it was? It was a Tom McDonald love fest. It was. It was. I reckon he had four or five games where he got second best on ground. <laughs> he might have got double-digit votes, which is bizarre. Luke Dunstan polled 11 shortly after he had been delisted. That is crazy. That is... Could, wants to come to Essendon. Yeah, I heard. Um, all right. We've, we've deviated a bit. Grand final. Should we just talk... I, I mean, relative to our normal deviations, I feel like that was quite on topic. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty on topic. It was football with a yeah, bit that's of... That's true. Port- so what's your favourite Matt Damon movie? Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> um, Actually... And I feel like I've done this before. Can you name a Keith Urban song? A Keith Urban song? Yeah, just, just one. No, absolutely not. No. no. Uh, been, he's been like at the top of the charts in his genre of music now, 20 years? Yeah, a, a, long, a long time. He's a judge on The Voice? No idea. Can't name a single Keith Urban wouldn't have, wouldn't have a clue. Um, Line-ups to the grand final. Um, let's start with the dogs because I feel like they have more 
questions. Keith to come in, probably. Yep. Latham to come in, probably. He played the last game, but sure. Wasn't he, didn't he have like an injury scare? In the prelim. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he wouldn't be any. Oh, well, yeah, he'd be a uh, not retention. A, yeah, retention. Um, <laughs> Bontempelli to come in. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. He underwhelmed in the Brownlow votes. He only came second. Um, it's a yeah. reason you paid $13 to win. Mm. Oh, mate. We'll, we'll get onto the Brownlow later. Um, the, there's a lot of fringe players. Well, not fringe. But Keith comes in, who's out? Uh, Cordy, I think. Either Cordy, Cordy or Gardner. Uh, yeah. I, I don't... But I think Cordy. Beveridge has weird um, like affinities to some players that I just don't get. Don't get me wrong. I like Latham Vandermeer almost just because of his name and because he's just, I don't know. <laughs> But there's nothing in Latham Vandermeer where I see he should be in the side in front of Jason Johannesson. They play different roles, though. Yeah, but like, if like it's what was the first final? JJ was the sub. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was instead of like Shaki, which for some reason worked. It was a bizarre decision in the rain, and it, it worked. somehow worked. But and like, he's now he, according to the official Wikipedia entries, he is now the father of Alira Lear. Yeah, huge. Who's the mum? <laughs> <laughs> um, Susan. There's not a good answer that you can say without being questioned. <laughs> um, but like JJ was a star of the 2016 grand final. So far, he has fallen that he's behind Latham Vandermeer. In fairness, so was Shane Biggs. A star? It was five years ago. Like, things change. Yeah, that's true. But, like... There's, yeah. a, there's only, like, seven or eight of that team that are still in the, the team, isn't it? Yeah, and JJ might not be one of them. Because um, <laughs> Waitman's got to come in. That's the other one. Yep, Flea's in. Um, so Flea's in, Keith's in. You'd think one of Cordy or Gardner's out. And... Could very well be Latham. Scott's out, probably. That's true. The probably. So that leaves either Latham or probably JJ as your sub. So, is there anyone else to come in for the dogs? No, I think that's all the potential ends. Um, Mitch Hannon, do you think, is, is possibly a, a risk? Well, not a risk, but at, possibly at risk of losing his spot. I wouldn't imagine so, just because you look at the way the Melbourne backline is structured. They've got their two bigs, May and Lever, and um, our mate Tom Petty free-falling. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, having having looked at it and remembering now, Mitch Hannon kicked three goals too in the prelim. So he's not oh, he was huge. Yeah, 
Um, so him, Shaki, Nort, English the forward line, and English. That's four bigs. Who who's on? Hannon, I mean, Hannon's only just a big. No, but like yeah. think of the small backs, small to medium backs for Melbourne. Salem, Bowie, Pig. Yeah, Hibbard. I think Hibbard can play medium. Yeah, but you'd rather him not. Yeah, so I think you'd probably play May on Tinglish, um, Lever on Nort. Lever Petty. on Nort? Uh, or maybe maybe Petty on Nort. Yeah, I'd, I'd think you'd want Lever on the third. So I think Lever gets... So Lever on Hannon and then... Hibbert and then there's still Shaki to go in and out. Yeah, but I mean, Shaki's shit. <laughs> But is he? He's not that bad. Well, there was a number two pick in his day, I guess, but... No, it's not even that. He, he came in and, like, what, did he kick two goals in the pouring rain of Launceston? And then... Yeah, I know. But... I think... And then he, you know, gave Alira Lira bath. Like, like all good dads he might, do. He might be... He might play the similar role on Jake Lever, where he gets that defensive forward... It's kind true. of stop the interceptor kind of thing. The, the other thing we have to consider is there's probably not much chance that all four of them will be on the ground at any one time or not in the forward line at any one time. Cause like Steph Martin's still not fit. Right. So English is going to have to play a significant amount of ruck time. Yeah. Like English will be on the ruck and then Martin will be on the bench. And I couldn't see at least not for a substantive part of the game, the dogs lining up with a forward line of Norton, English, Hannon, Shackey. And Trelaw, Waitman, Vandermeer. Yeah, seems excessive. Whoever else is going through there. It seems too tall. Yeah, that's true. Especially when you... And, and that's probably what Latham's good at. Like, if I was... If Latham's to play, you'd probably put him on, like, Salem. Because Latham is very much that Puapolo style. Just running around headless chicken forward. That'll yeah. just tackle people for fun. So... And then would you play Hibbert on Waitman? He's probably not quick enough. That's the thing. Like we've talked about in the past, Melbourne's small defenders. I think Joel Smith's still out. I think he's going to be available, but I'm not sure he'll get picked. I don't know if he plays. So you've got... I th- yeah, I think Hibbert keeps his spot. The, the interesting one, and we haven't got to Melbourne selection yet, but the interesting one would be probably Jaden Hunt. Hmm. Because I think he would probably be not a bad matchup for Cody Waitman. Yeah, but he's not like I don't. I, I haven't watched too much of Jake recently, but I feel like he's very halfback flank in the Grant Birchall way of just like <laughs> doesn't defend that much. Yeah, but but I mean, they probably do speaks to what they sort of need from their backs a lot of the time. He probably hasn't been required to defend that much and yeah. has been released by how good May and Lever have been, much in the same way Salem has. He's probably quicker, though, than like... I, he's probably, if you were to just look purely from a matchup perspective from at Waitman, who, even though he's young and inexperienced, probably has that X factor to be able to kick four. He, yeah, he's one of those players he definitely needs attention. Yeah. Like, he can't and the, leave it. And the other one that we've just inexplicably missed when he should have been the first one that we spoke about is Bailey Smith. Who? 
<laughs> ah, Bailey Smith who? Yeah, no, that's... Because he's been playing forward, he's kicked, what, seven, and, oh, seven or eight? He's Already in the finals, he's seven, I think. He's kicked three and four. He's, he's due to kick... He's due to get a 30 and five this week. So $15 for the North Smith is looking tasty. He hasn't kicked three and four, has he? No, he's played three again. Three and four, my bad. No, but they've played three finals. Has he kicked four, two, and one, or has he kicked four, three, and one? Has he kicked eight or seven? I, I think thought he kicked. I've heard he kicked four, two, and one in some order. Something like that. He kicked four against last Brisbane. Didn't he kicked three against oh, Essendon, didn't he? Kick three against Essendon. No, he kicked three against Brisbane. Four against Port. There four against Port. Solved it. Yeah. I think he kicked like one against Essendon. Essendon, he kicked one. So he's kicked eight in three yeah, games. Eight in three games. He's, he's on an absolute mad one. So, yeah, you're he right. Is. He, is, he is a, like, uh, stringer type. And not saying he's at, as good in the role, but that type of half-forward midfield where he's just, like, a destroyer. He's just yeah. there. And, I mean, I, I think in current form, he's definitely as good as stringer. Yeah, probably, that. yeah, no, for sure. Based yeah. on his last three weeks. He played, oh, yeah. Um. So if you're Melbourne, who do you play on him when he's forward? Like... And Bailey Smith's tall too. Like he's not, he is. he's not a he small is. forward. So Hibbard, I guess, is... He's, he's six foot. Probably got the size to go with him. He's not that tall actually. But again, Bailey Smith's quick and a running machine. Yeah, that's true. But so like... He's a Jaden Hunt style matchup. Probably better off. Because like... When I look at Melbourne's defense, I think, okay, cool, they're defending with five because Salem doesn't defend. Like Salem played on Charlie Cameron the first quarter of that Melbourne Brisbane game and he kicked three. And then they yep. switched Joel Smith onto him and he did absolute buns for the rest of the game. Yep. So it's like going back to Waitman, like I think the perfect defender for Waitman would be Taylor Dure. Like that kind of small, annoying defender, but you know they're on the same team, so you can't have that. Um, um, Bowie, maybe does Bowie get Waitman and Hibbard gets Bailey Smith? Probably. Um, is Hibbard quick? I feel like Hibbard's not that nah. quick. Hibbard's not quick, but I mean, who are you complaining? Yeah, Ali they... Sparrow. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, throw Trike on the back line. Um, um, yeah, no, nah, but again, it, we can look at it in the other direction and be like, well, if Melbourne's midfield wins, then at let's transition to, let's do the midfield last. Cause that's going to be not pretty easy, but the most interesting lineup, I feel like Melbourne's forward line. So we've got Benny Brown, we've got Brown low vote vacuum cleaner. Tom McDonald, Cozzy, the hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else have we got going for? Like, Truck's uh, going to start the midfield. Yeah, no, so the, the hair, Bailey Bridge. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, Mega mind. Mega mind. Uh, and then Truck will roll through there. Um, yeah, pick it. One of Jackson uh, or Bourne, probably. Same Spargo, Neil Bullen. 
Um, they'll go through that. Melbourne have a lot of small forwards. Yeah, but I mean, Jackson or Gorn will go through there the majority of the time. So if you've got one of the Ruckman and Fridge and Brown and McDonald, that's pretty tall. Well, and, that, and that's the other side of things. <laughs> Bulldogs defense, I feel like, is pretty suspect when it comes to big defenders because you've got Keith coming back off an injury. And he's shit. He's, and he has proven that he doesn't play well in finals in Perth. Yeah. <laughs> Just ask Sean Marsh. Um, you've got the Gardner slash it, it'll probably be Gardner. I think Cordy will get the drop. Yep. Um Gardner is okay. He'll get Tom McDonald probably. And then you've got like Bailey Williams on Fritch, I guess. Yeah, probably. Um and then you've got yeah Neil Bullen rolling through there, James Harms. I, I, for some reason, I really rate Charlie Spargo. Yeah. Um, who does Doc take? Jimmy Jordan. Oh, um, Doc takes Cozzy. There you go. There's yeah, that. Cozzy, I would think. Um, and then you got like Caleb Daniel, Lockie Hunter. Hunter doesn't play in the back line, though, does he? Uh, like a halfback sometimes, kind of. Yeah. Caleb Daniel, Bailey Dale. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I feel like both these teams have really good, like, attacking halfbacks. I think they've just got attacking, yeah, everything. Obviously forwards. But, yeah, their mids don't tend to tag that much. They just tend to, because they're so good, they just tend to win 50-50 head-to-head. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, their backs backs back in their mids to not get beat or not get outrageously beat. That's the reason why Alex Keith can be good on a Bulldogs team is because the midfield can be so good that it just doesn't get down there that often. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm genuinely convinced I could be a decent back pocket on the Bulldogs team. Cause it just doesn't go down there that much when you're playing against regulation teams. Yeah. So like as cliche and as, um, you know, about as obvious as it gets, the midfield obviously wins this game. Yeah. And I think it's important to include the Ruckman in the midfield. Oh, absolutely. Because I think that's, yeah, as we've said, that, that's the key point of difference. Because I think analysing it, the, the Bulldogs midfield is arguably equally as good at the top and is much, much deeper. Yeah. Um, so if, if we're excluding the Ruckman from that, I'd say the Bulldogs probably win the midfield battle. But I think Gorn makes such an incredible difference that I think Melbourne will win it out of the middle, probably. Yeah, well, because at the end of the day, you can only have, what, four four in the middle? Yeah. It's like depth doesn't matter when, you know, you can't have seven people around the centre circle. So. Um, yeah, and Gorn is legitimately almost a midfielder with some of his follow-up. Oh, last, not last week's game. Two weeks ago, he was like, it was wild. Yeah. Galloping through the centre. Jack Fitzpatrick style. Oh, on the run, Jack Fitzpatrick style, round 23, 2011, from the centre circle. Bang. Bang. So, yeah. What time? Gorn could very well prove the difference. Yeah. So, uh, I think he's a fantastic value bet for the Norm Smith. He, actually, he's not a value bet. He's almost favourite. But... Is he almost favourite? 
Because he's probably due to kick about eight goals this week. At seven or eight dollars, I think if Melbourne win, he wins that medal. All right, Norm Smith, who have we got? Trark is favourite at eight dollars. Trark at six. Bont at eight. I think Clary at seven. Ollie at seven, yeah. Uh, See, my value bet is Bailey Smith at 15. If the Bulldogs win and Bailey Smith goes 25 and four, like he, he looks all parts a great goal kicker and just like has really good um like awareness uh, like forward awareness around the 50 and can rack up touches like yeah yeah no absolutely and i've been saying it for weeks give me all of caleb daniel at 26 dollars i was gonna say if melbourne win give me 23 dollars of christian salem because it (laughs) And maybe it's a bad bet, and it probably is because halfbacks famously come second, um, especially in the Richmond era of Basher Hawley. Probably should have at least one Norm Smith. Definitely should have one. Possibly two. Possibly so, two. yeah. Halfbacks are a good bet, or just like game breakers. Like, Trark is Melbourne's game breaker, but he's, yeah. to be fair, $6 is pretty good. I will be spending an absolute fortune on the grand final. That's all right. We made profits Brownlow night. Yeah, huge. All right. Before before we get into Brownlow talk, give me a reason why the Western Bulldogs will win the 2021 AFL grand final sponsored by Coles. Um, no, not to take, not to rip a segment from your favourite journalist, but if oh no, not they even can, then. if they can negate Max Gorn, then mm. I think their midfield depth will allow them to um, win win enough out of the middle so that they. Uh, because I think it's going to be pretty even at either end. Yeah. I think so, both have their flaws at either end. Yeah. So, like, obviously, the start, starting set of, well, set of three, putting aside the Ruckman, the starting set of three of Viney, Petrarca, Oliver is as good, if not better, as a starting three of Bontempelli, McRae, Liver. Mm. But when they need a rest, a starting three of Trelaw, Dunkley, Smith, yeah, or Daniel is so much better than a starting three of Harms, um, Brayshaw, Jordan, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Like the, the, the class at the top is obviously matched, but their depth is not. So if they can negate Gorn, which is a huge if, the two hundred eight centimeter if, mm. then I think I think the the dry conditions over there will suit Nort. I think they're in incredible form. Mm. They had a reasonably hard fought win against us, at least in the first half. Had a great game against Brisbane where they had to pull out all the stops. Had a much cruisier prelim final, obviously, but I mean, they were seriously impressive, at least early when the game was on the line. Mm. They've now had a fortnight to freshen up. They've played more combative football over the past month or five weeks than the Demons have. Um, and 
they've been the nucleus of that side's been there before done that. Yeah, fair shout. Bont, McRae, Libra, and all that are all flag winners. They know what it takes. They know what it feels like. Um, so, yeah, I think they can. And I'm torn on whether they will. I think they can too, but also I, I, I think everyone's just falling into the it's been too long since games. We're just like analyzing every which way we can. But unrelated to like the grand final, but I saw on SEN they had a lineup of nine hours of trade radio. What do they have to talk about for nine hours? That's trade radio. It's always been like that. Yeah, but like what it's like if you put it on yeah, you know, the grand finals, like what do you have to talk about for nine? There's only so many angles and shit that we can, you know, analyze this from. Um, yeah, but you talk to different people, and you so I mean, they they'll fill it somehow. Oh no, they will. They they're professional talkers. I mean, you could just extrapolate that to the entirety of SEN as a station, and yeah. now not even just one station as a conglomerate of stations. Like, you, how do you fill twenty four hours a day of Melbourne sports radio? Further, how do you fill twenty four hours a day of Perth sports radio and Sydney sports radio? Hobart and New Zealand. Especially Hobart. Nothing happens in New Zealand. Nothing happens in Hobart. Oh, at least New Zealand's a country. Just. <laughs> um, all right. Melbourne, why are they winning? Um, well, mate. Other than Gorn, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that their back line is better than the Bulldogs' back line. Um, so I think if their back line can get on top, if May and Lever can be as good as they have been all year, um, I think they can rebound pretty quickly. They move the ball really well. It's supposed to be dry. It's a nice, hard ground. Um, yeah, if Lever and May can be those stoppers that allow them to slingshot the footy out the ground, then, yeah, as most people are sort of expecting, I think they can run over the top of the Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a huge um, Aaron Norton going for two goals, four. I'm feeling it. He's going to I get his I hand I wish I could have a market on that. Yeah, that Aaron Norton would kick more behinds than goals. Dollar oh one. All right, you tell me why the Bulldogs win. Um, I'm, I don't know why I want the Bulldogs to win. Like, I just have this weird affinity for the dogs. Why are the Bulldogs winning? Because I want them to. Yeah. No, but like, <laughs> Melbourne have... That's, a... what, that's where it sounds like this answer is going. That, that's true. But Melbourne have a one in what? 57? 57 yeah. years? Yeah, yeah. 64. Yeah. It's like when the Bulldogs in 2016, I was like, I was obviously rooting for them because I was just like, well, they haven't won in fucking forever. Um, why I think the Bulldogs win, I think you talked about depth of midfield. Um, I think they're forwards. Overall, they can be better than Melbourne's back. And I think if Beveridge does the smart thing, like he did against Port Adelaide with tagging their intercept big, whether it be, it's probably Lever, who's the intercept big. Like Shaki did not much that entire game, except just really annoy Alir Alir. So if he can do something like that, that frees up Nort to go one-on-one against um, May or Petty, whoever it may be. 
Um, I think Cody Whiteman is going to be a really big X factor because I don't think Melbourne have the small back to go with him. Um, also, Bailey Smith. Like the rotating, you think about that, let's say, sixth forward spot. You think the sixth back of Melbourne is going to be not nearly as good as the sixth forward, whether it be Smith, whether it be Trelaw, whether it be, I don't know, if for some reason it's Hannon. Like the defending skills of that six back is not going to be as good as the six forward. And I think, as you said, the depth of the Bulldogs can win them the game. Because like Max Gorn, and <laughs> to be honest, Luke Jackson is also going to be really big in that ruck rotation as well but if you can win it in the midfield because they've got what like fucking eight top i'm gonna say top 30 midfielders yeah like if you can (laughs) as dumb as it sounds it's what a 120 minute game yeah and if you are better in the midfield than your opposition because like Melbourne are probably better. Uh, like you said it, Melbourne are probably better than Bont, McRae, and Libba. Like, uh, marginally too. That's probably a wash. That second unit is insane. Yep. So, like, when you're, you know, um, fuck, what's his name? Like, Brayshaws and your... James uh, Jordan. Jordans and your harms are coming through and you got Luke Jackson. You've still got English. You've still got Dunkley Smith and whoever Trelaw coming through. Yeah. Like that should be way better. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think mm, I really want to talk myself into the Bulldogs. And why are the D's winning? Um, <laughs> it's, it's really just as easy as saying Max Gorn. It is. And I, I, I will accept that as an answer because I 20, think that is the correct answer. Max Gorn, 20 and 5. And as much as I love the Bulldogs' midfield depth, I think the Melbourne Ruckman depth is just as good. Yep. You think Luke Jackson versus like Tim English, I think Luke Jackson wins that every day of the week. Even if it's Steph Martin, Martin probably has the experience on Luke Jackson, but like he has the athleticism around the ground. Yeah, true. Um, true. And going forward, um, Ben Brown is still a great footballer. And the Bulldogs' defense, if they get peppered, they will fold. As much as I love Jure and like Bailey Williams, I do not rate Gardner or Keith whatsoever. Yep. And I think <laughs> Brownlow, almost Brownlow winner Tom McDonald will have a field day. This no, but genuinely, he if is it, very athletic and does work up and down the ground. So Perth is probably a good environment for top. That's of true, but I'm thinking if it's going to be a big Melbourne day, this could be a very big Bailey Fritch game. Um, I don't think the Bulldogs have the defender to go on Bailey Fritch because he is that third big, where he's like in the Gunston role, where it's like, well, we don't have anyone tall enough for him but also we don't have anyone who's that size athletic for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bailey Williams, maybe, but you don't want Bailey Williams in a shutdown role kind of thing. 
Mm. And I think Bailey Williams will go to him. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think this game's going to be really interesting to see where both teams compromise. Because you think, like, you've got all these halfbacks who want to bomb up and down the wings and, you know, play attacking footy, but then you realise, like, it, it, like, if you're Salem... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> if you're Salem, you're just like, oh, I want to bomb up and down the wing, but also I've got Cody Waitman to a, or Latham Vandermeer to hold a cap. It's going to be a really good game, hopefully. It actually sort of leads me into my next question. If you are Simon Goodwin, are you tagging anybody? And if so, whom? That's the thing. I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking about like... Uh, kind of like the art of tagging who would they have to tag because basically when it's like last week um when drew went to not last week two weeks ago when drew went to liver about a quarter and a half late um you are basically taking sure you're taking one of the oppositions out of the game but you are also taking one of yourself out of the game so that's why i don't think tag you like you can tag someone out of the game but if i were to tag anyone it would be jack mcgrave um how does he get 38 touches every week and people are just okay with that i think it's kind of a case with mccray and oliver as well i think it's very difficult to stop those accumulators accumulating Mm. Like it's just because, especially the ones that get lost of their possessions in and under, and yeah, impacts and stuff. Right. Like it, it's just almost impossible to stop. So sides figure their resources are better deployed trying to stop Petrarca or Bond breaking out the front of the pack. I'll say, but I'll be getting the handball the out. Of the, one. the 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 guy coming past for the handball. It's like when I don't know in those Hawthorne teams, <laughs> instead of tagging Mitchell, you'd tag Luke Hodge. So I think I would tag Bontempelli if I was going to tag. Who ta- who tags Bontempelli though in that theoretical? It's true. It doesn't have to be somebody that can go with him in the air though. I don't think. No, no it just has to be someone. Somebody that you're just going to say you just stand, always stand def- defensive side of him and do not let him burst past you like he likes to do. Yeah, and who's him and him and Petrarca are quite similar players. They enjoy bursting out of the packs and kicking it long in the forward line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I looking at both sides midfields, I'm not sure they've got really any designated taggers. The funny thing with the Bulldogs is it sort of used to be Liver, and now he's the one getting tagged. Yeah, no, he's he's well, that's the thing. If you have a player that's good enough to tag someone. I feel like they are too valuable to the workings of the midfield and offensively to use them in that negating role unless they're like, and I've got it in my like fucking season review, like a Matt DeBoer who was just like, who is sole purpose to tag and just like annoy the shit out of like a Patrick Dangerfield or something. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think either side will tag. Nah, you wouldn't imagine so. No. I think both. I think both sides will go into the game thinking, "Hey, I want to play my style of football. I want them to play to like my yeah. 
kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like both sides play quite similar football. Yeah, I feel like they both have not similar weaknesses, but like they're pretty dicey. Oh, they're very reliant on their midfields. Yeah, um, and like to move the ball quickly. Bit of bit of slingshot footy. The slingshot footy, and don't yet yeah, sort of rely on their midfielders a bit to float forward and add some goals because they don't have huge scoring forward lines. At least without Josh Bruce. Oh. How stiff would you feel if you were Josh Bruce? Very, very stiff. But there's heartbreak to, to every story. That's very true. Um, I mean, it's Robert Murphy, 2016 vibes there. Tom Murphy, so. 2012. Tom Murphy, 2008. Yeah, not quite the same vibe. Yeah, a little more heartbreaking than uh, Robert Murphy. <laughs> Agreed, agreed. All right, should we do some Brownlow chat? Let's do some Brownlow chat. Um, I'd like to thank Ollie Wines for paying for my shopping this week. I'd <laughs> like to thank Sportsbet for leaving the world's biggest loophole. Yeah, so we, we were chatting on Zoom, um, betting and whatnot. Ollie Wines at $12 at a handicap of zero. Which basically meant he, if he wins the brown low, it's twelve dollars for Ollie Wines to win the brown low. Wild, absolutely yeah. wild. And Bont at thirteen. Yeah. So I had, I had some money on Ollie Wines to win, Clary to finish top three, and Jack Steele to finish top five. Made some money off of that, and then I put a cheeky five on Ollie Wines at. $12 for a zero handicap. Huge. Love to see it. None of them were the best bet of the night. Oh, three grand on uh, Titch to win it at $41. <laughs> I'm, I'm all meant $1.93 on Cozzy. Oh, yeah. Vote. So, uh, Cozzy, <laughs> after, I, after I put all my bets on, I had a $1.93 left in the sports bet account. And I was like, oh, fuck, what else can I bet on? And Cozzy was at $1.04 to poll a vote. So I put all $1.93 on it and I made $0.08. Cents. Huge. I um, somewhat incredibly backed Max Corn and Clayton Oliver to poll more votes than Collingwood. Huge. And they saluted. How much was that? It was at $5. I'll say, who are the vote getters there? You got what? Crisp and Pendles had a couple of good games. Maynard might have got a couple. The Goey might have got a couple. I reckon Grundy scored literally a couple. I think Elliot had one game where he kicked like six in the first quarter. I reckon yeah, he, he got a vote there. Against Adelaide, was it? I think so. I remember that game, actually, because I was in the bottle shop. <laughs> It's how all your good stories start. Yeah, well. Um, what else did you have? Uh, had the Essendon top three in order. Parish Merritt string. Solid. Good thing I didn't take the same three in the Crichton medal. 
Yeah, what happened there? Uh, Zeret, 420 votes. Parish 340, I think. So, like, a significant win from Zeret. Mm. And then Snell. Yeah, Snell. Big Snell, the meatball. Third, um, Geordie Ridley, fourth. And String to round out the top five. The Snell is third. Clubmen and players that do those one percenters really well and really consistently always do better in the uh, yeah club awards than they do. Oh, it's, for, a, it's the, the public eye. Blake Hardwick came second in our Peter Crimmins medal. <laughs> Blake Hardwick, I reckon, probably got zero Brownlow votes, but came second in our medal. So, mm. um. But yeah, no, all around was a good night on the punt. Didn't look like it was going to be a good night on the punt. No, it did not. Took a couple of outrageous bets that didn't get up. But when when Tom McDonald started getting votes in like round three, I was worried. When Jack Steele was about eighty fifth in Brownlow voting in round twelve, you were worried. I was a bit stressed, but. Um, yeah, no, I, and I only got half of the uh, the three. Yeah, that, 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 that's bullshit. That's that's a bit stiff because Parrish got the same amount of votes. On, um, Sammy Walsh, surprisingly, surprisingly, thirty votes. How, how are you? Uh, think well, I mean, he, he was sort of. I mean, he was clearly Carlton's best player, and he was quite. Dominant. He was a standout in a team full of hacks. Um, but yeah, I mean, really good effort to get to thirty votes in a team that was shit. They finished what thirteenth? Yeah, that's pretty wild to me that we got to thirty votes. Yeah, crazy. Um, yeah, really good year from Sam Walsh to be capped off, hopefully, with a maiden grand final umpiring berth. Yeah, no. Shout- if, one, if one of the goal umpires does a shoulder. Aiden, oh fucking, what's his name? Adrian, whatever his name style is, the guy who got absolutely lasered by Dusty. Yeah, I, I've got no idea. I couldn't even have given you Adrian. I, I think it's Adrian or Aiden. Um, but yeah, huge. Um, any surprises for the Brownlow for you? Um, track being so low, I was surprised with actually. Jared Lyons being so high. Yeah, he, he was huge. Was he first in the Brisbane voting? Yep. Yeah, he was about eighth overall. You know what surprised me the most? Josh Kelly being third in GWS vote. I think yeah, it's reasonably fair. I think he's massively overrated, to be honest. Just a few games, but also like he was he was part of the uh the broadcast. Yeah, I think that's more to do with what he looks like than how he plays. Yeah, well, he is. And, and possibly the fact that he was in Melbourne, I think. Yeah, he was. He looked so they very needed, private. They needed, they needed some Sydney representation without being able to be in Sydney. Who was, okay, and I know the answer for this, but I just want it for the podcast. Who was worst dressed? I mean, truck. Correct. <laughs> Awful. So awful. The two-tone grey suit with the white sneakers, a choice, and it wasn't a good one. Come on, mate. 
I mean, if I was Simon Goodwin, I'd send a message. I'd drop it. <laughs> uh, bring in, uh, bring in Nathan Jones off the back of Twins. Smuggling across the border with Eddie. Jeez, how stiff is Nathan Jones? If Melbourne win this grand fight, that, that and that's almost half the reason why I think I don't want them to win. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, Nathan Jones, Jones curse. Nathan Jones has been the life and soul of Melbourne for about as long as I can remember. And for him to miss out. Yep, that's yeah. true. It's true. Um, okay. What else happened, Brownlow? Big Ruckman love. Oscar Allen got a few three, three yeah. votes. Sammy, Sammy Draper had a three early. Maxie Gorn had a couple of threes early. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was it was good to see. The big Segler got a vote or two. Segler got two against Collingwood. Two Brownlow votes for Jonathan Segler, ex Collingwood player. Alec Waterman scored two votes in round twenty three. I think that was the that was the weirdest round of Essendon voting I've seen. It was Segler Smith. It was Segler. No, not Segler. Um, Waterman Smith. Smith got three. Waterman. Oh no. Smith got three, Wright got two, and Waterman got one. Wild. Yeah. A who's who of... Uh... A who's who of who? <laughs> Hold on. There's a button for this. Who? There we go. I mean, everybody knows the big 50-litre wife beater, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, beyond that, yeah, Alec Waterman, big who's energy... Devin Smith, big who energy for the last four years. Yeah. But overall, the brown load, not as excruciating as I thought it would be. In fairness, we were watching it together and drunk. And Tob got robbed. Oh, hold on. Let me just fucking hold on. There's, a, there's something for this as well. Dear Mr. President. <laughs> oh, we've got a rant. Too many states nowadays. I don't know if you have Please one. eliminate oh, three. I am not a crackpot. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Wait, give me something that's... Hit me. All right. Tim O'Brien was one of three contestants to uh, win the car, as they say, between him, Jack Rewalt, and Shea Bolton. In that order, that was marks of the year. Shea Bolton was the worst out of the three and doing some very cursory research wasn't even the best mark of the round. And I know that's not the point because they changed the rule. However, Tim O'Brien was robbed. Getting into some real scoops areas here. I would have accepted, like if Jack Rewalt got it, Jack Rewalt, that mark gave me like Nick Rewalt, Jonathan Brown, 2005 vibes, right? Running back into the pack, getting collected by every which way. Shea Bolton got a free ride. Tim O'Brien was sideways when he took the mark. And that and was the only... saw a woman yelling at him. Absolutely. And that was the only mark Tim O'Brien took all year. 
And it yeah, was when you, when you put it like that, relative to his marking skills, it oh, was off the charts. I think it's the same reason why Jeremy Howe doesn't get the mark of the year every year. And it's the same reason why, fun fact and side rant, did you know Alistair Clarkson has never won coach of the year? I mean, he hasn't been great. Yeah. yeah. Despite being one of the greatest coaches of all time in the sport, has never, and I know it's a, you know, how the hell did he not win it in 2008? I have no, no You had no right to win that premiership. I think I'd, it's probably before the premiership. I think Bomber probably won it. Yeah. Okay. But, like, but to be fair, Geelong finished 21 and 1, I think, or like 20 and 2. Um. And Hawthorne yeah. finished, but Hawthorne finished seventeen and five. Yeah, uh, I don't um, know. Tim O'Brien. Yeah, it, it seems amazing that he's never won it. Yeah, but how do you, how how do they judge it? It's a bullshit award. Yeah, no, and I think people should take less credence in awards like that. We just like, well, it's like Cyril Rioli didn't win Rookie of the Year when he was like so clearly the best rookie and probably single-handedly won us that grand final. Um, uh, who won the 2008 Rookie of the Year? Hold on, let me look that up real quick. Any guesses? Stuart Jew. <laughs> rookie of the Year. Uh, Not even no, Rookie of the Year. It's yeah, Rising Star. I wondered if that was a different award. Uh, uh, <laughs> You're not going to get this. Uh, Carlton, oh, it's, a, it's a fun one. It's Carlton, did you say? Carlton legend. Murphy, cruiser. It's not a Carlton legend. Uh, Levi Kasbolt, Daniel Gorringe moved to GWS. That doesn't narrow it down at all. <laughs> no, moved to GWS does narrow it down. When I think the Carlton US pipeline, I think... Most of them have gone the other way, haven't they? Yeah, but when I think... Um, uh, I'm just going to tell you, Reese Palmer. He played Carlton? Yeah. He went, did he go from Frio to GWS? No, he went from Frio to Carlton to GWS. No, Frio to GWS to Carlton. Oh, so he didn't go from Carlton to GWS. You lied to me. Yeah, Carlton it? legend. That's how I remember Reese Palmer at Carlton. He was a he was very good in his first year at Freya. Did he win a flag? No, he plays for Freya. <laughs> hey oh. And for that matter, GWS. That's true. And for that matter, Carlton this century. Oh, all right. To finish off this half of the podcast. We're going to go through the 2008 nominations for Rising Star. Are you ready for this? You ready for some players you haven't thought about? I would love some. Players you have thought about. Uh, round one nomination, Basha Hawley. For Essendon. For Essendon. Number two, Josh Hill. Who? I have a button. West Coast? Who? Western Bulldogs. Um, round three, Reese Palmer. Round four, Kieran Jack. Oh, yeah. yep. Round five, Ben McKinley. 
Who? Who? Really? I I, I kind of remember Ben McKinley. Um, I thought I did, but then I thought of Ben McGlynn. Who's Ben uh, McKinley? Ben McKinley, like medium-sized forward for West Coast. No. no they all look the same. Uh, six was Cyril. Round seven, here's a belter for you. Austin Wanamiri. Oh, yeah. Melbourne? Melbourne, good shout. Round eight, Kurt Tippett. Sydney legend. Salary cap rorter. Mm. Notorious. Nine, person you haven't thought about in a while, Garrick Ibbotson. Absolutely, I have not thought of Garrick Ibbotson in a while. Woo! Uh, round 10, Nathan Brown of the Collingwood variety. Uh, round 11 was Matthew Cruiser. Round 12, 2012 Brownlow winner. <laughs> um, <Brent Hutchin. laughs> all right, 2012 was that year. Yeah, right. Boom. Uh, oh, round 13, a player you haven't thought about and may have genuinely never heard of, Jared Morton. Mitch's brother? Who? Hawthorne great Jared Morton. Was it is he the brother of Mitch Morton? No, unrelated. Um, he was part of the really weird 2005 to 2007 really bad draft picks from Hawthorne, like uh, Mitch Thorpe, uh, Jordan Lyle, Bo Morton. Good God, Bo Morton and okay. Bo Mustin. Oh, God. Um, 14, Colin Garland. Oh, yeah. Uh, round 15, Jack Rewalt. Who? Yeah. Round 16 needs no introduction. Kyle Reamers. Boots. Round 17, Brad Ebert. Megahead. Oh, no, not Megahead. The better one. The other Brad one. was the better one. Brett was Megahead. Um, round 18, Gavin Urquhart. Who? Who? North Melbourne. Oh, yeah. I yeah. vaguely remember Gavin Urquhart. I remember the name, but I couldn't pick I'd have no idea. Yeah. Um, round 19, Sean Grigg. Yep, Redan boy. Uh, Premiership winner, Sean Grigg. Premiership Ruckman. Yeah, at about six foot two. Um, round 20, Cale Morton. Big year for the Mortons. Big year for the Mortons. Round 21, someone you absolutely haven't thought about in a while, Brad Dalziel. Never heard of him. You've never heard of Brad Dalziel? Who did he play for? Brisbane. I don't think so. Hey, Brad Brad Dalziel, I remember Brad Dalziel. No, not that I don't think I've thought of him. I don't think he played for Brisbane. <laughs> and round 22, GWS great, I think. Alapati Carlisle. I, you do... Oh. No, no, I know who he is. Right. I don't think he played for GWS. Really? I thought he did. Port Adelaide. No, uh, just Port Adelaide. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the O'Halpins. Oh, Satanta. Anta. Did you say O'Halpins? Was there more than one O'Halpin? Oh. I swear to God there were two O'Halpins. Satanta. O'Halpin. The Irish lads, yeah? I think it's Lad. I swear there were two of them. 
Um, does he have a brother? Maybe, but I don't think he played AFL. Uh, maybe not. Do you remember Anthony Francina? Um, it's, he sounds like a pastor. Yeah, he had a brother, Carlos. <laughs> Carlos O'Halepin. Uh, hold on. Is he Mexican or Irish? He's Fijian. Fijian Irish. But here's a name you might remember. Kane Ackland. Is there a second O'Halepin? I think there's a brother. I don't think he played AFL. Okay. So you've just found someone random on the internet named O'Halepin. Oh, no. I Iseki. I'm going to have to look this up. I swear he had a brother. Iseki O'Halepin. Um, I think he was a... He did! Yeah, I'm going to send you this page. I need you to believe me. This is... This is <laughs> Welcome to the last call, like, investigation series. Um, how do I fucking... Say All right. Here we go. I say he... Uh, uh, fucking... Oh, helping. I'm sure that's not how you say his name, but he definitely played for Carlton. Um, probably in a, hey, please come play with us. We'll bring your brother into the, into the club. Here we go. He's about to read the proof. You love to see it. He didn't play. He said he played from 2005 to 2012. Uh, 2008. He was on the list, but he never played. Yeah, he was on the list. It doesn't count. You can be on a list. He, he never oh, played. on the list. That's the problem. <laughs> He was on the list. I remember him being in the general Carlton vicinity. I mean, I could walk down Ligon Street, I'd be in the general Carlton vicinity, but it doesn't mean I'm an AFL player. Mate, I could walk down Ligon Street and accidentally walk into the Carlton coaching facility. The irony of clubs just poaching Richmond assistant coaches to be their new coach and before Carlton have actually appointed a new coach, David Teague becoming a Richmond assistant coach. And then they're like, oh, we should get the Richmond. Oh. Oh. Yes, yes. My, we've Look at this new assistant coach we've hired. David Deeg. Yeah. Um, no. Asaki O'Halepin did not play AFL. He was on the list. I remember him being in the general AFL direction. Okay, but he did that. That's fine. That's fine. I'll I'll take that he was on a list versus that he didn't play. It In fact, I, he wasn't on the list. He was on the rookie list. That's a list. It's a list, but I mean I've got a piece of paper here. I've just written my name down. I'm also now now on the list. Yeah, but it's not Carlton's list. Yeah, but neither was he. He was on the rookie list. Yeah, you're too good for Carlton's list. 
All right. How did we get to Saki O'Halpin? Well, we were talking about, um, I had a bit of a rant about Tim O'Brien and then it got to Alistair Clark. Oh, that's right. That's right. Then you were, you were playing role. players you haven't thought of for a while. Yeah. Um, any last words for the first half of the podcast? Um, no. Huge. Earthquake boys. Yeah. Earthquakes. Thank you for listening to the first half of the Last Goal podcast. We'll be back with more plays you haven't thought of. Maybe. I have one. Ash, any last words? Absolutely. We'll see you in the next one.